0: Archetypal Tarot Podcast explores universal human patterns called archetypes by investigating the major arcana of the ancient tarot. We recognize these archetypes because they are present in our own life stories, myths, and culture. Each card represents a stage of the journey for understanding the greater story of our lives. Hello
1: and welcome to the final edition of these regularly scheduled episodes of the Archetypal Tarot Podcast. And we are reaching the culmination of this of this heroic journey that we've been on. Uh, this time we are with, with card 21, the world. And we're gonna discuss beginnings, endings, rebirth, and of course the further journey. And I'm Julianne Java, and with me is Cindera Quackenbush.
0: Hey! Hello, and what a a more wonderful way to end our podcast series than with the world card, which is like the culmination card of the entire archetypal journey that we've experienced throughout the tarot.
1: It is, but just to not put the thought in your head that we are going away completely, people. Um, you haven't heard The Last of Us yet, so most definitely do not unsubscribe from the podcast. Unless, of course, you're just sick to death of us, and go ahead. But oh, great! <laughs> it's over! Oh. Just get to the end ending and close the book. But, but what I'm trying to say is just hang on to those subscriptions. Leave them there in your iTunes or whatever. Um, we will um, likely be back with other editions, special editions, and more information on what we're doing yet next, which is so incredibly, I think, appropriate to what we're talking about because this is an ending and also a beginning. Um, And we'll get into the card in there. Just so you understand, I mean, it's perfectly appropriate for us to be here now deciding what all of this material and everything that we've talked about over the last two years practically um, 20, 20 years 24 podcasts under our belt Whoa. um there's a lot there so we are in this um very much with the process of of this heroic journey deciding what what is going to be our next adventure with um these ideas in this process so that's my long minute way of saying stay tuned there will be more probably at least in a, a few months so there's that and at the very end of the show hang in there because there will be a way for you to stay in touch with us get an email every once in a while letting you know what we're doing possible book possible workshops some exciting stuff so hang in there at the end for that information
0: invite us to your birthday parties
1: oh we love that yeah (laughs) Yeah, we're, we're we're in the bay area but you know if we're traveling around let us let us know whatever we take gifts too so
0: Yeah, absolutely. Dutch slippers, anything like that. Anything cozy. Uh, Speaking of which, the world. And we've got all kinds of symbols and things going on in this card uh, that also harken back and are reminiscent of the various stages and symbols that we've been coming across on, on this entire stage. Uh, what it's do big, we have here? It's
1: a big card. This and is a huge card. Um, as ever, we have uh, we tend to look at the symbols in the two different decks: the rider weight deck, as well as um, the Marseille deck, which is, um, as a reminder, is one of the oldest decks, one of what they consider the original Tarot. Um, and it's I think it's a beautiful card. So and there's some great symbols, and it really does um, contain a lot of relationship to the rest of the journey that we've been on. So um, you just want to go...
0: Yeah, I would say uh, these two cards are pretty much in agreement about a lot of things. Uh, The two versions of this card are. Um, But so the primary thing going on here is that we've got this beautiful woman-esque figure. There's Mm -hmm, some mm -hmm. debate out there as to whether she's androgynous or not. But I pretty much see it as a woman there dancing in the center. Um, She's naked and free. She's got this scarf wrapped around her um, and a couple of objects in her hand, which in the right of way is two wands, both in the right and the left hand. And she's surrounded by this wreath. She just seems very free and uh, aware and conscious as she dances within the wreath. Uh, And then she's surrounded by these four mysterious... Cartoonish characters. <laughs> no, <but> I think <laughs> we've cartoon-
1: we've seen them before. I think they're very um, powerful. They, they have symbols. visited us before. Yeah. Yes.
0: So um, and and uh, both versions are pretty much in agreement about what they are and in what location they're at. So, up in the upper left corner, we have an angel. On the top right, we have an eagle. On the lower left, we have a bull figure. Sort of a Taurian-like mm-hmm. animal, and then uh, there on the bottom right we have a lion. Uh, so let's there's a lot to unpack here and explore, but let's let's see what we can find as far as let's talk about each uh, of these figures and and uncover and unpack a little bit about what what are they reminiscent of and w- what might they be pointing to as this last final stage card.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, something, too, and, and yet another symbol um, is the infinity symbol or the lemniscate symbol, which is uh, wrapping around the top and the bottom of this wreath of laurels with the figures. Oh, that's in. right. So that's, that's immediately, to me, rem- reminiscent of um, what we saw in The Magician, which is our second stage uh, way two years ago, almost, that we were talking oh about the learning and the mastering of your, your doingness and your skills in
0: life. And, and also those wands, since we're on the topic of the magician, mm. uh, the wands also are pointing to that magician card. It's, it looks like a very similar wand to what he was using. Uh, and it is that capacity to be able to direct energies where needed. Um, and in the Rider weight, we've got a wand in both of these hands, so it's coming from both a balanced right and left side. We're reminded once again of the alchemist mm-hmm. um, and being able to transform uh, basic matter into uh the gold of life and anima mundi was was a term used by the alchemists which was this ability to see the world or the world soul in all of matter so Mm -hmm. even if you started with a a common stone or something like that in it was the beautiful gold of the universe or whatever Mm -hmm. in there it was just a matter of putting it through the right process and this is definitely a beautiful emerging symbol from qu- quite a grueling process at, at points if you look at our tarot journey as a whole right absolutely and um just to the the
1: wands and the and i'm again on the rider weight um symbology here i mean wands in and of themselves have a lot to do with their sign of readiness and doing this. and and the fact that the figure has um a wand in each hand that does harken back to what we were learning with the magician stage, but also I think to the chariot where we had a rein uh, and we had two reins in our hands and, and two horses that we were like struggling to control. And that was the idea of trying to balance those opposites. What what are you gonna work with? And this to me is symbolic of, of being able to hold those opposites of being able to really work with them um, without judgment. And we just went through, this um, stage of judgment and we talked about redemption there and so there's there's something so much that we've learned that we're holding in this place this is this is the card of fulfillment um, of, of, of wholeness um, and that doesn't mean that we for, don't have any scars from the journey that means we are going to hold those scars in a different way And those wands, I think, are really powerful symbols of being able to hold those opposites.
0: Yeah, that's right. She's dancing in the tension of these two as she holds them both and and allowing for the new thing to emerge. I mean, this wreath that surrounds her is a a little bit like a vulva. It's a little bit like... It's kind of a yoni. Yeah, so something's emerging through here. Something's being born... Uh, it's it's uh, it's the least bloody birth
1: I've ever. <laughs> it's a symbolic witnessed. birth. It's a symbolic. Well, birth. We we are when we've been talking about this whole rebirth process since right. what the the hanged man, <laughs> quite a while. Has the ago. rebirth
0: happened yet? I think I, know. It, I think we could finally say that. Yeah. We're okay. coming to the end of the
1: swear, people. This is it. <laughs> we've been holding this one over your head for a long time, but I mean, there's a, so the the wreath the laurels in and of themselves are a symbol of victory. I mean, that's what, um, you know, you were awarded mm. um, a laurel and you got the wreath of laurel around around your head. That's um, right. and, that, and this symbol coming to us is this sort of like this feminine sort of opening. You know, you could go, you can go down that route um, if you want. Just seeing this as sort of a sense of protection of, of being surrounded by something. And there's with it also having the infinity symbol you know, wrapped around it at the top and the bottom. We also, that that goes back to the card strength,
0: mm. where the woman mm-hmm.
1: had that infinity symbol above her head, sort of like understanding that you have built this strength, um, or rather you have found a strength that was already in you. So, and I think there's a good combination of things there. You're building it and you're finding it that's, that's there in the... Um, The figure in the middle, if you notice, the the legs are crossed very similar to the the hanged man.
0: That's right. Yeah, there's a relationship Um, there. So let's talk about the dancer. And then you've already uh, mentioned the strength card, which makes me Mm -hmm. think of the lion. Mm -hmm. But before we leave the boundary, it's also bringing light to where we've come from with from the sun card. If you remember those two children playing behind the walls of a castle this too is a is a naked figure dancing within walls but the walls have become even more flexible and more uh permeable so there we felt safe to play behind the these closed walls in the sun card and we were really it was allowing us to grow that child within us and be in a safe place but this is really a place where like I might be vulnerable. I'm out in the world. I'm not protected from everything. But there is this there is a special sense of protection in in the state of mind with that uh, awareness of the infinity. So that's a special place to be in, to be able yeah, to dance within it's, that.
1: You've and I think that that uh that's been created throughout this journey. It didn't just necessarily magically up here I think because you know the laurel isn't sort of that award like you good job but symbolically here that protection that you're talking about that we will always carry with us because of the process the hero's journey that we've gone through yes you know we've 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 earned it in a way or we we you know once you learn certain things they're with you the rest of your life Mm. so that's that's to me that kind of that's what it reminds me of of you've been through a lot you have learned so much and you are now able to no longer just judge the bad things or good things that have happened they're integrated yes. this is most definitely an, an integration point mm. um, and we talked about evolution versus redemption in the last card um we're looking at this as sort of like a stage of evolution of recognition of being with where you've been but also um the word involution came to me when I was researching this hmm. and um, that just word itself means, um, involution means in upon itself, not quite like the aerobarist, but was sort of like you've, you closed the circle in a way in certain lessons. And then I, I dug a little deeper and I thought this was interesting. Involution is also a mathematical operation of raising a quantity to a power, meaning you've leveled up your game. You've definitely like moved up through something so i thought that was interesting relationship to math which i don't think a lot of people would necessarily think about <laughs> oh yeah the
0: the math, you're right yeah, yeah. i'm definitely the last person to think of math ever <laughs> but i'm realizing that this the, the wreath around her is that zero of the of the fool mm-hmm. so we, we have really reached the beginning again absolutely amazing
1: absolutely and i and uh, the first podcast we did on the fool we talked about that fool going over the cliff and, um, I remember saying something about like the wily e. Coyote, you know, how Wile E. Coyote goes over the cliff, but there's that moment of just hanging there before you <laughs> the go. The secret
0: is don't look down. Don't look down.
1: <laughs> exactly. So this is that, that moment of being, you know, you're, you're not just off the cliff anymore. Everything has changed. You've gone through this journey and now we see this figure dancing there, right? There isn't this worry. Oh my God, I'm going to fall. There is a trust. Um, And a faith that's been built up, which Mm. reminded me of the um, Indiana Jones. I forget which one, but one of the Indiana Jones, it looks like he's just reached the end, right? He's at the he's on the precipice. And, you know, he has nowhere to go. And of course, he's being chased. And he just makes this leap. And there's an essentially an invisible bridge that he lands on, but he had to make that leap and he lands on it, and you can't see it, but he's basically his feet are supported.
0: You know, that must be a theme in film, because I recently saw that in The Power of Oz, too. They're running, yeah. and they have to leap off of mm-hmm. some... And, and they don't necessarily... Oh, that's right. Oz doesn't know what's going to happen. He has to just take the leap. But I think Glenda puts the bubbles around them, and they're okay, floating mm-hmm. through the air. Actually, I th- this kind of reminds me of Glenda the Good Witch f- flying in her her permeable... A bubble, which yeah. is, that's and very that's, interesting. And that's definitely
1: a hero's journey movie too. So, oh, yeah, so it's great. to think about this in a way of previously, where the fool fell into it, was like, oh my god, what am I doing? You know, and then just sort of like going into it. This this card is saying there's a that's a symbol of faith, a symbol of understanding everything that you've gone through before,
0: mm. um, and
1: that that the idea of risk is different. And that you you have the, the beautiful part of the fool is that ability to surrender, to let go, and and, that's, and to have faith. And so we see that happening here. And there's reminders in each four corners of the cards of, of a lot of different things, the four elements. There's also, I guess, a, a reference to, there's a passage in the book of Revela- Revelation in the Bible um, of these for uh, the lion, the eagle, the bull, and the angel or the human.
0: Okay, but um, I, I'm just loving being in with this dance for just one second okay. longer because we must take note of the veil oh, that right. surrounds this, her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, what what beautiful card does this harken back to? A veil? That would be the priestess. The high priestess. Yeah. I, I think we had a really good time at that stage, too. That was yeah. an amazing card of of connecting to that sort of moon feminine wisdom that artemis card and here's that that veil has re-emerged and it's something she's both dancing with and also seems to protect her in a special way too like she still knows what to hold and what to reveal um so there's still very much a dance with the mystery and acceptance of the mystery which as we remember was such a big part of that high priestess card all right are we ready to leave the circle now <laughs> I just had to take note of the veil.
1: <laughs> well, a lot, a lot of people, I think, consider the, the symbol of that veil is the sense of spirituality, how you wear it loosely. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a part of you. So there's just so there's so many symbols in here. I think there's a lot of uh, great articles and people written about what each one of them mean. Um, just to, to leave those four symbols, there's they relate to so many different things, as well as we've seen these creatures before in the Wheel of Fortune. So ah, there's nice. yeah. Yeah, we didn't see them. they were a little spookier, I think, in the Wheel of Fortune. But um, <laughs> <laughs> We didn't know which way it was not, gonna
0: turn back. Not to then. judge
1: or anything. But <laughs> <laughs> we we've seen them before. So there is this again, this is a, a culmination stage and there's you know, the Wheel of Fortune is a circle and we're also looking at things that have, you know, uh that are more circular. Like this is the cycle the cycle of life. This is um trying to kind of get into um that Um, where, where we come with this rebirth? What what does it mean? It's that being able to hold the, you're leaving the either or world where you're, it's what we've been building up through this whole time of, we get stuck in our lives going, it's either this or it's that, either I make this decision or I make that decision. Many people come to the tarot or many people come to look at symbols to help them make decisions, right? Decision making um, is such a huge part of our of our lives. And we've learned, I think, hopefully so much through these stages. And what so much I think is happening here is it's, it's not simply about an either or, you know, it's about being able to make space for or hold, what I call the both. And it's neither, you know, you're not just looking and I've got to choose this or that it's, it's that the greater whole that, that perspective that we can take and, and in a really simple form. And I think, we, we could see it with the the devil and the addict um because this uh it's a, a the most a lot of people are probably familiar with the serenity prayer um and, and dealing with addictions and understanding that I think the serenity prayer, which is um, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference mm. uh, the knowing that difference and being able to hold that you don't know or that you're just going to do the best that you can i think is part of this stage of being um being with that and and trusting that.
0: Yeah, that that's a t- uh, tremendous feeling when you feel all this pressure and then all of a sudden you can just say, you know, I don't really know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's such a liberating uh freeing moment in that. Absolutely.
1: It is, and uh, that being able to step onto that invisible bridge or trust that as you move forward, you know, this is you know, we've been rebirth. We are we are acknowledging the rebirth um, part of this process, which I don't think most people do. We just think, oh well, I have another birthday and another this, another that. This really is saying this is this moment, and mm. um, to to acknowledge that, and we are meeting ourselves once again in this stage from the from the fool all the way through to the to the world because. Um, I think a lot of people see this card, um, it's popularly known as fulfillment, accomplishment, good feelings, wholeness, integration, which I think is certainly true, but it's it's an ending, but it's at the same time a beginning.
0: Hence the vulva. <laughs> <laughs> right. Much like,
1: you know, we are kind of ending our podcast and, and beginning with, with something else yet unknown. It's the Bodhisattva card, don't you think?
0: Oh, yeah, most definitely. You've come all this way. You've gone through the devils, the hanged mans, the death card. Uh, There's something to be learned from this, Uh, but not only for your own personal journey, but now how does this affect the larger community? Uh, Sally Nichols, who I've drawn on a lot in her book, uh, Young and Tarot, for this podcast, Uh, says that widened consciousness is no longer that touchy, egotistical bundle of personal wishes, fears, hopes, and ambitions. Instead, it is an indissoluble communion with the world at large. Mm. So we're expanding beyond our little uncomfortable selves and we're, we're reaching out into... The larger sphere with this card yeah. uh, what is when when we go through something and we really change, how does this impact everything around us? This has actually been an exciting thing that happened to me recently is that just by talking about dreams and tarot cards around some of my friends who have had no relationship to tarot or haven't taken much note Woo-woo. of dreams and yeah it's a woo a little strange thing that Sonera does on uh on the side here <laughs> um but th- recently they've come to me and they said you know just by talking about the dreams and it's made me start to look at it a little bit differently and it's shifting my perspective in the world and i'm, I'm starting to open up a new dimension to myself i wouldn't have otherwise thought about um and so that's a really wonderful thing to take up because this career is not one that makes a huge amount of money or anything like that (laughs) but it's one that when you just start to talk about it and when you start to sort of role model what does it look like to look into these other parts of ourselves into dreams into the archetypes that you live by and so forth how that can start to change just the people around you and and this can I'm I'm kind of working on a trickle up theory here. <laughs> maybe we have a, a way of influencing our communities and maybe this will extend into our larger society. It would be okay, okay to look into these things a little more.
1: Yeah. That's a way of being able to handle or work with the realization that our lives are ever expanding and mm-hmm. to not be, to not be intimidated by that. It can be, I, th- I think really in our age of technology, it's, it can be really overwhelming and just what's possible and, um, you know, how do you hold all that? It's, you don't have to hold all of it all of the time, but how you hold, hold yourself and how you make um, available um, your own experience and your own gifts and skills and challenges to, to the world. And, and I think that's why I brought up that the Bodhisattva, which if people aren't familiar, um, it's a Buddhist term. Um, the word Bodhi means enlightenment and Sattva means being, so it's enlightened being and the various um, systems or groups within buddhism have kind of their own definition of what, uh, who a bodhisattva is but essentially it means it's the commitment of you know you're you don't attain you don't attain total enlightenment until everyone else have it's it implies um, holding your own territory as well as um, being open to the world that you're living in, um, taking a greater responsibility. And, and it's a risk. We have to realize that this, this idea, this stage of the, the world, this, what I call the Bodhisattva stages, it is again, um, a rebirth. Um, but also it's that next step into risk where you're taking responsibility for yourself. You've got care and compassion for yourself. You're moving things forward in your life, but you're also there to help other people as well. So it's no longer the single journey um, you realize that your journey is so incredibly interconnected with
0: mm. everyone
1: else's it's that touchstone um, moment where at least briefly you start to see that your heart beats with with other people mm. and we get we get glimpses of that I think uh, one of one of my favorite poets um, is TS Eliot and TS Eliot I think wrote um, brilliantly about this very subject and artists, I mean, maybe I'm just, you know, because I'm an artist myself, but I think artists tend to at least touch this world, this idea of being able to hold that both-and-ness of things, of holding the opposites together and not just judging them as one thing or another, but to to be able to make space for them to be together. And artists, I think, are are drawn to do this or are forced to do this in their creativity. And especially, I think, the the set of um, poems T.S. Eliot wrote called The Four Quartets, and if you don't mind, I'll read a um, a stanza from um, one of those quartets. I think it's the last one that is just completely appropriate and it sums up this stage. And so this is from the last of the four quartets by T.S. Eliot. With the drawing of this love and the voice of this calling, we shall not cease from exploration. And the end of all of our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. I mean, that's to me just sums it all up. And especially that with the drawing of this love, right? We have learned to love greater throughout this journey, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And, um, he says the voice of this calling, right? We, we've, we've been called onto this journey from the fool going over the cliff. Um, and more recently with a star, we've had that glimmer, that desire of, of what are we moving forward in this life with and for and why and this stage of the world I think represents that really well and we are really we've traveled so far and we've met ourselves again you know you can't create a situation like that you know you can't just say I'm gonna go through you know this great journey and find myself you can try and I think in the 60s a lot of people went that route and, and found it to some degree but I think looking this whole holistically as this is a part of it, you know, this part of this rebirth is, is that being able to see ourselves and then see how great our responsibility and relationship and gifts that we've got to give each other in the world. And that's from the people you don't like, the people you do like, your planet, you know, your job, everything in there. Um, and we have so much strength to hold that. And I think that's the thing that can hold us back. Is, that's big. <laughs> that's huge. But this journey is each each step on the way. We have a reminder of that um, of that both the great responsibility and the great strength that we can get throughout the whole process.
0: Hmm. So. Beautifully articulated.
1: Oh, gosh, thanks.
0: There's a reason I teamed up with you for this podcast, for sure.
1: Well, you do know that my patron saint, um, raised Catholic, thank you very much, Uh, my patron saint is uh, Julian of Norwich, who was um, a, I think, 14th century English mystic. And you know what she said. Her famous quote is, all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. So, you know, here's a woman in, you know, medieval times who was actually mm. optimistic mm. and mm. Her, her writings on um, Christology and, and the ideas were um, pretty much got her booted out of a lot of uh, churches. But that idea of that ever moving towards a greater love is something that we can all learn from
0: I, don't have. I like the idea of being booted out. It's like being booted out.
1: She's booted out. <laughs> booted oh no! Out. You read some of her writings. Trust me.
0: <laughs> there's a link there, this and there's actually an as- a saint ascribed to each one of these animals, which I didn't write down in my notes here. But if you really want to know the we'll saints, look it up. Put it in the notes. Um, yeah, I got, we we can provide that, or you can email us. That's even better. Then we can, we hear you calling back. Mm-hmm. But we have on this theme of the of wholeness of four figures. We have something to represent each one of the, the elements here, the ox, the lion, the angel, and the eagle. Uh, and we have something from the whole creation. We have something from earth, plant, animal, bird, man, and angel. Maybe there's some fish mis- missing there, but it's supposed to be a card of capturing the creation here.
1: I think the eagle's supposed to be Scorpio, which is water.
0: Ah, that's yeah. why. I was like, why is the eagle water? I don't get it. It dives down into the water to get the fish out. Okay. Oh, okay. It makes so much more sense now. Oh, that's so good to know. I only know what I looked up on that one. So, um, so let's back uh, a little ways away from this card now and see it as maybe a literal thing as the world is the name of this card. And, you know, we don't see a picture of earth on this card, but that's one way of looking at it. It's like stepping back and seeing whole and this is something we've been able to do as 45 years ago something yeah, like that, yeah modern uh these modern crazy human beings that sent space sh- shuttles up into space and now we can see the world and see what it looks like and I think I mentioned him last time but Craig Chalquist uh, won this great grant which is to find the new world myth and it's based off Campbell's suggestion that there's a new myth out there for us to be investigating for our new world here. Um, and so he did a slideshow, which you can look up on YouTube and we're going to provide the link um, on the website. But you can also YouTube Earth Beacon of a New World view. And and it's about this psychological effect of being able to see our Earth from space. How does this impact us and our relationship to it? Um, we're no longer just on it but we can see it as a whole. And, and you know, astronauts have talked a lot about, you know, and they're, they're these hardcore scientists. Mm-hmm. They're up there um, and they have to be so reasonable with their reasons so much of the time, but they are in love with the earth when they see it. It's just like this longing and this in awe of the world, of the earth from space. And that first I think it was the first picture or one of the most famous pictures of this earth rise, which is basically being on the moon and seeing the earth rise from there. This photo was taken on December 24th, 1968. What a date for that to happen.
1: December 24th, Christmas
0: Eve. Christmas Eve. And it, it feels so linked to the returning of the light of the solstice and so much of the significance we've given to Christ's mm. birthday and so forth that this is, the emergence of something new. And Campbell in his conversations with Bill Moyers said, this is the ground of what the myth is to be. When you see the earth from the moon, you don't see any divisions there of nations or states. This might be the symbol for the new mythology to come. So being able to see all of it there, the things that we're also doing to it are now visible from space. And that that there's no boundaries put up that we are very real in our maps and our minds here on Earth. So that's a very interesting thing to think about. That's the
1: exact moment we're talking about. And um, interestingly enough, just on the radio, uh, maybe a week or so ago, the gentleman who took that picture, the astronaut who took that picture, um, uh, was on um, a a talk show on NPR. And, you know, of course, the the host was like, oh, wasn't this an a... just a beautiful thing. And, and he said, yes. And he's like, we weren't necessarily supposed to be taking those pictures either <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, don't oh. waste film. Don't waste your time. Cause had very, very limited time. But every single of all that, the astronauts on the, on that flight were, um, they all got their camera, they were all like, where are the cameras? You know, we've got to do it. And, and that there people become so changed by that. And, um, mm. uh, I believe his name, he's an astronaut, uh, I'm not sure if he was on that flight or not, although I think so. His name is Edgar Mitchell, and he actually was completely, talk about a hardcore scientist, he was completely changed, um, I think, in a very good way when he came back after seeing the Earth, of seeing the Earth rise from the moon and getting that exact idea of like, wow, we are really connected. We walk around in these little you know, shells of, of ourselves and our ego. And, you know, that's that thing too. But like, wow, you know, life is bigger than life itself. Mm. And he started, um, IONS, which is the Institute of Noetic Sciences and their flag, um, actually is the planet earth.
0: Mm. And they're, Mm -hmm. um,
1: they're based up here in Northern California, um, in Petaluma. And I've been there a number of times. That's where Gene Houston would teach. And, uh, that whole Institute is, is, dedicated to knowing, you know, noetic sciences—the the other knowing. Um, and So he was definitely inspired by that. So this this idea of the world, this ever expansiveness and understanding that the, the one thing, one of the things we know um, from physics is that the nature of the universe is that it's ever expanding. And that can, I think, make us panic, <laughs> like, holy crap. But also to understand that we are a part of that um, and to be able to hold that idea. I, mean, I think it was one of the bigger, bigger pictures that we are both so you know we can hold the whole thing as well as go down to the personal level, the one-on-one level, and see that connectivity, you know, the all is one idea. I could harp on and on about Cloud Atlas because I really <laughs> loved it. <laughs> And, you know, we always like to talk about movies, and um, so I'm actually, you know, you and I were talking about the end, and speaking of endings and beginnings, the end of another favorite film of ours that we like to talk about, uh, which is Frida. And so you had a great comment on the the end of that film. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And is is this a spoiler alert? Like, she actually lived, it's a biography. So, if you know, if you want to watch the film, just pause it. (laughs) But um, what I'm about to talk about really points to the wholeness of this card having, and whole meaning having holes in it. I think that's a a nice thing to remember. Mm, When we're we're whole, we have, there's holes in it. We're holy. We're all holy. We're we're all holy. Mm -hmm. So I'm referring to the film. I'm not sure, I wasn't there with Frida Kahlo's actual art reception opening in her own homeland which is what she always wanted uh but in the film it's this wonderful end point and i think it's a wonderful way that they made the end of the film even though she's dying she's on her deathbed uh made it this this beautiful happy ending really because uh they bring the whole bed into the reception yeah there's a procession they, the they they bring her in and she so she gets to witness this opening Um, And even though she is so sick, so broken at the end of her life uh, that she gets to experience this, uh, her life's work and the people that she loves surrounding the bed and in her life. Um, And this is really a feeling of that wholeness level of it, it, of it not being perfect. Things did not pan out beautifully throughout her life, but here we are. This was uh, an amazing celebration of a life's work
1: exactly and I think she's and everyone there I think to the way it's portrayed in the film I think beautifully being able to hold both the pain and the beauty
0: hmm. of
1: of what this culmination meant and of what is happening very much in that moment because you're embracing her you're embracing the artwork people are there but you're also there to let it go yeah at the same time and again that's when I talk about the both andness of things of being able to hold those opposites right the the absolute beauty and the love um, present as well as the knowledge that it will be lost wow and in a, in a way sort of as i think our art, artists tend to be able to i think they live a little closer to this purposely so they're you know understanding that it will you know the it'll be lost. There's pain and there's beauty mm. kind of together and you you can choose to be tortured by it or you can choose to hold it and um, you know, work with the energy of that and have that there. Um and Julie Tamer, the director of that film, I think, um, did a brilliant job mm-hmm. with with that. You know, it, it it wasn't that like happy ending
0: kind of thing.
1: It was a happy ending, but it was a sad ending. It at was the same yeah, time. it
0: was a uh, for lack of a better term, bittersweet, but yeah,
1: the, the, mm-hmm. again, the and the yin and yang of this of holding hold, and that is that you know the Taoic um, symbol of the yin and yang symbol, um, which some people say they can see inside the world um, card with the way the uh, the scarf is entwined around the body. they can mm-hmm. see that sort of thing. So this is that you know it is being able to to hold those um, opposites together.
0: Um, yeah, absolutely, and and so, with this theme of wholeness, we're we're not reaching perfection, or we're not seeking Mm-mm. perfection. And speaking of art and so forth, if if you take almost any child's picture of of about the age six to seven, um, they have a a compl- completely perfect idea. Well, perfect in the sense of. Of whole idea of what a picture should look like. So if you tell them to draw a picture of their house and the yard, they 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 space it out perfectly around the page, even though it's not technically perfect or looking like real life or anything like that. If you were to remove, and this is something I learned recently from reading um, "Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain," if you were to remove or put your hand over any piece of their picture, it feels like something's missing. So we're born with with already a knowledge and experience of wholeness.
1: Wow. Isn't that cool? That is, that's, wow. That is
0: really cool. And being, a, a, a teaching in a school, I've also realized this, that their, yeah, their ability to create beauty is already there. Um, and, but by actually learning some of the things, getting, really getting into the left brain, sometimes we, we lose it and we get rigid and we think, oh, things have to be perfect. Uh, left, perfectionism is a very left brain yeah. uh, uh, state of being. So this is a good thing to know. Um, but back to the media, and I'm going to let you have your Cloud Atlas moment. Oh, I, yeah. I think you should. But, <laughs> but also, it, it came up just during this podcast, which was the Oz Great and Powerful mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another great illustration of this perfection versus wholeness and accepting who you are theme. Because there's this tension around Oz, this character of he needs to change he needs to be the wizard we expect him to be mm. but in the end he saves the day not by becoming what they all expected him to be but by being his, his self which is a trickstery, fooling sort of guy <laughs> and he, you know that's how he is able to to reach out and do greater good is not by becoming something than something superhuman or something other than himself but by Being that crazy fool that he is.
1: And this stage is a perfect example of... You have, in the last stage, judgment. You drop that. You were asked to drop all those stories. Mm. Drop all this idea of perfection. Each each one of those stories is basically like... That's not necessary. We're being shown that we need to let all those things go. (laughs) And that, you know, everything is connected no matter what. So... (laughs) calm down and this this um, what we call you know this culmination point or this rebirth point is where we touch that we you know we realize that you know we are meeting ourselves for the first time and it's what we have tried to leave behind so many times oh my gosh yeah so I mean that's I think you know to, to swirl in um, the, the the cloud Atlas film because that film is um it's like six life stories intertwined together and the themes are uh, you know, strength and weakness and uh, freedom, um, slavery, uh, how we how we hold ourselves in bondage or are held in bondage by other people and our fears. Um, and it's all leading towards one, you know, that um, the connections that people make throughout the film at, at different stages, I think are so true, especially to the last card and to this one. There's a point where one of the characters is, you know she's about to be put to death, and they uh, they're interviewing her. And they're trying to get her life story before that happens. And the the archivist, the person taking the story down, says, you know, to her that you your version of the truth is all that matters. And she says, the truth is singular; its versions are mistruths. So it's this moment of saying, you know, that the all is one; there is one greater truth. And that all of those, you know, stories that we have, you know, there's a, there's an echo of truth going through them. But those stories in themselves, you know, are necessary for us to learn, but stuff that we need to let go of, tricky.
0: And that director definitely liked to have lots of stories.
1: (laughs) Well, it's, it's based on a book, essentially. And it was probably one of the most difficult films to ever make because you have like six main actors Playing, you know, a role in each one of those. Each, it's like six films intertwined together, but it really, I think, illustrates the this integration point because each one of the characters, uh, well, not all of them, but many of them, have a moment where they realized, oh, why do we keep making the same mistakes over and over again? You know, and and how we are all connected. And um, it's too long of a quote, I think, to read here today, but definitely go to the show notes if you're interested in kind of seeing how the film Cloud Atlas plays into this, because there's a brilliant quote by um, one of the characters that I think just, you know, sums it all up. And his, his last sentence is, my life extends far beyond the limitations of me.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's a great place to end it. I think for so. For today.
1: I know. For today, this is... oh.
0: Yes, yes, I don't know. Y- you are going to have to
1: hang uh, in there people.
0: You can hang in there but you're really going to have to beg for us to do the minor arcana because <laughs> there, there is a lot of people, cards. People are begging. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't say that.
1: Because, oh my god. Well, we we we're, we're not going away for forever. Probably uh you might hear from us again, but do hang in there at the the recording just at the end of this you'll find out how to get a hold of us and um we truly, I think I can speak for both of us really have loved doing this Mm -hmm. and really, really hope that you've gotten something out of it. This crazy journey that we've been on and hope that it's helped you in your life. And, um, I want to extend lots of love and blessings to you wherever you might be.
0: Yes, absolutely. Thanks for joining us on our journey. These, uh, Crazy, There's- crazy dancing fools in the center of the vulva. <laughs> Where will we be bored next is the question. We'll see what happens.
1: <laughs> That's quite a way to end it, I was say
0: Well, all you know, all uh, things are best. Uh, never mind. Never mind.
1: <laughs> best wishes to you on your journey. And please do stay in touch with us. You haven't heard the last of us yet. Thanks. Bye. If you'd like to stay in touch with us, just send us an email to atpodcast at archetypist.com. Show notes and references for this episode can be found by going to archetypus.com forward slash world. That's A-R-C-A-G-T-Y-P-I-S-T dot com forward slash world. And don't unsubscribe from this podcast just yet because we have a surprise or two
0: for you. Thanks so much for listening.